The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, I'm former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills fans, welcome to this recap episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we are going to discuss the Bills 30 to 23 victory over the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas today to go 4-0 and and continue to keep their stranglehold on top of the AFC East. We'll go over our thoughts on the game, some stats of the game, our plays of the game, and as always, our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers with some help from our amazing followers on Twitter. We're going to do a podcast giveaway at the end, and we're also going to uh, give some thoughts on the Bills-Titans game Next week, maybe uh, talk some COVID-related items and quarantining and social distancing and how this could affect future weeks of the season. But uh, for now, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. And fellas, going into this stretch of games a couple of weeks ago, the Bills were set to face four separate 2-0 and teams. Now the Bills beat the Rams last week. The Bills beat the Raiders this week. And then they faced the Titans and the Chiefs the week after. And I think... What we're seeing is they've been some tough games the last couple. Today, there was no point in which the Bills were actually losing. They led the entire game. There were some times where it got close, don't get me wrong. But I feel after the first two weeks, you kind of wondered, well, you know, they just played the Jets and the Dolphins. Now the Bills have faced two either very good or above average teams as of late. And I, and I feel much more confident about this team as a whole. And I feel much more confident for this team in the direction. What did, what do you guys think coming out of today's victory? Well, I got to say, Nate, before the season started, there was never any doubt in my mind that they would go undefeated. So, I mean, to me, this is just, you know, business as usual. <laughs> John has such a hard time saying that with a straight face. Mike, what about you? Thrilled at the record, Nate. They're the only 4-0 team in the AFC. It's exciting to say, right, after all our years of 
I would I guess mediocrity is even too strong. But awesome game today, like you said. Most teams we thought could beat up on the Jets and the Dolphins. So to have them beat the Rams and then the Raiders, if we look ahead at how much more difficult their schedule gets, got to play the Patriots twice, right? The Chiefs, a lot of more competitive opponents. It's nice to see them take care of business with these games. And then, like you said, step up their game when they play uh, stiffer competition with the Rams and the Raiders. Well, I feel like last year, they I don't know if they would even have a chance to beat those teams because they never really beat the really good teams last season. This year, I think that they're really, they really have a good shot. I mean, the, the Rams won today. They're 3-1. and one. Their only loss coming from the Buffalo Bills. So um, this, this game in general, this was never really, it was close, but it was never really in question, unlike last week's game where the Bills kind of blew a, a lead. Now, they, they started their third quarter, you know, uh, uh, song and dance, it, it, but... It, it, at one point, though, it was like 17-16, and it was like 51-49. Like, I think us, we're confident, like, watching all the games, staying up to date on the Bills. Like, for us, it felt like it never was in doubt. But I think if you were a casual, if you were not a Bills fan or not watching every game, like, it was essentially 50-50 in the third quarter, I think. So if you don't trust the process, if... You're not a Bills fan. You you might look at that as like a normal game where yeah, where each, but then you know that the Bills are are such a well coached team that those mistakes that the Bills used to make all the time and now a lot of teams normally make the Bills just don't like for example like that Darren Waller fumble in the third quarter when the Bills were up by uh, by only a touchdown the Raiders are driving and then you know the Bills just happened the, the defense man the defense stepped up today now they were definitely. You know, sometimes where they didn't look, they didn't look great, but they made plays when they needed to, and they really stepped up this week. And this was one of those games where people were kind of like, "Okay, this is the game where the the Bills' defense gets right, right." And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't an amazing game, but they had three fumbles. One wasn't accepted, or one was uh, called back by the officials. Surprise, surprise. But um, the Bills' defense made plays. I thought Josh Norman looked great in his first start. As a Buffalo Bill, just coming off the IR and uh, and sliding and, and sliding right into starting duty as soon as because Levi Wallace went out, I believe, in the first series with an injury and didn't come back. And Josh Norman was uh, was huge in today's game, and uh, I thought this was a was a good uh, game, obviously by Josh Allen. You can't not talk about Josh Allen's game. And there was a couple of plays that you'd like to have back, but I mean, I think that's just I think that's just Josh. I think that's the way Josh is built, man. And and if that's the way it's going to be, where you know he has a couple of plays like that one where he took a sack and the uh, the Bills were at like the thirty something yard line of the uh, of the Raiders, it was third and eighteen, and then he ends up taking a fourteen yard sack, getting out of field goal range. And I think you just gotta you just gotta take that. I mean, he's it's kind of reminds me of Kelly back in the day. Remember Kelly would throw like three picks in the first half, and you'd be like, what are you doing? And then he'd throw five touchdowns in the second half. So uh, it's always more. More good than bad with Josh, and uh, I thought he had a I thought he had a a really good overall game. John, were you in the same boat as, as I am? Yeah, no doubt. Overall, I think he hit the nail on the head, um, both offensively and defensively. Defensively, um, obviously, they the defense hit their third quarter snags in the offense too, but the defense didn't end up giving up as many points as they had in the previous games. Um, and like you said, they were creating turnovers as well, and then same thing with Allen. Um, 
it's I mean like that that one play I keep thinking about where that, that ten yard shuffle pass or whatever where he where he got hurt on that play, amazing play. But like you know you you you'd hope he wouldn't give himself up like that for a potential injury. But like you got to take that with with just how he is and as a competitor, it's just you know it's going to be fun to watch, but it's going to make it cringe at certain times. Yeah, that absolutely made me cringe when he did that. I mean, you love it. You love it because he plays every single play like it's his last. Like this is like this is the one that's going to, you know, score us a touchdown to put us up. And it's just his his fighting mentality and I think that if you were to try to take that away from him, I don't know if his teammates would respect him as much because they love that about them. They love that he's willing to do whatever it takes and I think it it uh, it helps them and encourages them and it, and, it, and it makes them feel the same way when they're when they're blocking for him or they're out there trying to catch balls for him and and you saw like there was a few catches that they that guys took this week where they they got hammered Cole Beasley for that one touchdown I mean he got hit by two different defenders in the end zone um, guys are willing to do that because I think of the of the playing style of Josh Allen Josh Allen had a, had another great game and uh, it's it's so fun. To watch him now, he didn't have a three hundred yard game, but I mean, d- does anybody really care? <laughs> it's just, it's just a very efficient game, and I think he made the right decisions when throwing the ball. So, yeah, Mike, what what did you think offensively, defensively? Come out in the same same pages, both John and I. Yeah, well, I think it's just exciting. The Bills are averaging thirty point seven five points a game, third highest in the NFL, and we haven't even talked about it. But Allen was the offensive player of the month. Right, like yep. incredible. Like, when's the last time a Bills player has done that? I think it was like 2011, maybe or something. I don't know. So it was in our lifetimes. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I certainly don't remember it. Um, and then I thought today, like the defense just attacking the ball. You mentioned we talked about Josh Norman, but what a day for him coming off IR right yesterday and stepping right in. But I think he's an incredible addition, first team All Pro with the Panthers back in 2015. And I just thought for the last four years in in Washington, just. You hate to say wasted, but hopefully we now get a chance to see what he can really do. Um, well, that's a problem yeah. when 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 these guys um, going back to Josh Norman when these guys sign big free agent deals and they go to a team thinking that you know maybe they're going to run the same scheme that they just ran, and then all of a sudden that coach gets fired, and they they bring in a whole new coaching staff, and they're like, oh yeah, you know how we used to run uh, zone cover, you used to run zone coverage, and I you're really good at that. Well, now you're running man because that's what I do. <laughs> And I feel like we see that all the time. You remember Albert Hainsworth back in the day signing that huge deal with the Redskins? And he was a 4-3 defensive tackle, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, um, we decided to fire our defensive coordinator. Now you're going to be the nose tackle. And he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Did he didn't show up to camp. And I mean, Is that when he started stomping on people? <laughs> I think the stomping is what made him the, the big contract. No, no, the stomping was before that. Because I don't think he played. I don't know if he even played a down in Washington, or maybe he did. It was short lived that career because he signed like a six year ridiculous deal. But uh, yeah, great, great. So, oh yeah, <laughs> also have to talk about how can we not talk about Zay Jones today in his revenge game against the Buffalo Bills? He had like a few targets early on, and I'm just like, man, Zay Jones bringing it, bringing it today. I think he's, uh, I think he's a little pissed over the trade a couple of years ago. Obvious. I didn't miss Zay Jones. There was that one pass he had deep that he missed, where he was like wide open, and it was it was a tough pass to catch. I will give him that. But you know, Zay Jones dropping the ball again, 
I feel like you were a Zay Jones apologist for the longest time. It took you forever to come around. What, me? Always like, oh, it takes three years for an NFL receiver to get the the gist of the game and really understand things. And John and I were like, you kidding me? And I think Gabriel Davis really vindicates us and proves our point. Any other job, man, you're expected to perform from day one. And you're all like, oh, Zay Jones, it's not his third year yet. Guys. <laughs> well, I, I thought that the situation was pretty rough that they put him in in his first year in Buffalo because he was supposed to start behind Anquan Bolden and I'm trying to think, God, I'm trying to think of the, the wide Guys, receivers. No, it's play. not his third year and yet. He was, a, he was put into a starting position as a second round wide receiver. I don't know. I, it feels like a lot. I mean, look at Gabriel Davis. I mean, he, oh, fourth dear, round he's a fourth round right? pick. Yeah, but he's not a starter. They don't require him to be a starter because they have depth ahead of him. They didn't have depth ahead of Zay Jones. John? And I, he's been producing more than the starter Zay Jones, who had more opportunities. I say this. I say I was never an, apologi- an apologist for Zay Jones, as I'm completely apologizing for his <laughs> rookie season and telling you why he wasn't as good. I, that's why I'm just apologizing as to why I was an apologist. Okay, <laughs> that was why I did what I what I what I said, and I still stand behind that. He had an amazing college career. He was so productive, and then he couldn't catch a ball. Remember the first? This was the first year we ever podcasted together. We talked about Zay Jones having the yips. Like, we spent an episode, I feel like, talking about the yips. Like, when he just had this thing where it's like he just couldn't, I mean, he couldn't catch the ball. It was like where pitchers can't throw to first base anymore. What was that? Chuck Knobloch that couldn't throw to first base anymore as a pitcher for the Yankees. And he just lost. He just had the yips. He just, it's just like, I think he retired over it. It's like every kid. Well, I, I feel like we, we spent an hour explaining it the first time. Maybe we should kind of explain it's just a colloquial term for like just a sudden loss of athletic skill <laughs> something you've done your entire life and all of a sudden your brain just loses that fine motor skill like that muscle psychologically mem- that muscle memory is just gone all of a sudden there's no known treatment no known therapy <laughs> you get the yips man you're done you're d- <laughs> yeah it's like Think of a good analogy and insert it later. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to think of like a golf analogy. I'm t- I mean, I mean, the yips is really like a golf thing. I think that's where it initially started because people like would miss easy putts or something like that. But that's more of a pressure situation. Like you have the yips because, you know, it's there's a lot of people watching. It's the 18th hole, you know, um, but I think it's it. It goes to a lot. I mean, you could even say I would argue that. Dan Carpenter and, you know, Stephen Hauschka towards the end started to get the yips because they would miss very easy field goals that they used to make. And I don't think it's a matter of leg strength like you would think, like, oh, well, they're older, maybe they're a year older. They have It's like it was never a matter of leg strength. It was muscle memory. Something got in their head that just stopped them from being able to do something that used to come quite easily to them. Or maybe not easy, but it wasn't to, like, where they just couldn't, you know, it just couldn't, it just couldn't happen. Like, they just couldn't figure out a way to do it so anyway enough about i was thinking though going back to zay, this this is the most we've talked about zay jones even than when he was on the bills but <laughs> i was thinking Derek carr i thought he got injured on that last drive right before the onsides kick and i was thinking the bills are up 30 to 23 if the raiders get the ball back and Derek carr can't go in how hilarious would it be if nathan peterman comes in the game <laughs> slinging the ball to zay jones and they somehow <laughs> come back <laughs> 
to lead the. Re- I mean, it wouldn't be funny at all. I'd be really pissed. But I mean, that you can't write a better script than that. That's like a Hollywood level script, right? Like, eh, I guess not. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. I let's. John was gonna say something. Sorry. <laughs> you guys basically. I said- was researching the yips. <laughs> Are we ready to move on, or do you want to talk about the yips anymore? No, we're good. Let's go into our stats of the game. Stats of the game. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. So you're telling me there's a chance. Oh, people can come up with statistics to prove anything, Kent. 40% of all people know that. Our stats of the game today brought to you by our Tee Public store. Three words for you. Treat, yoke, sell. Now, if you're looking for some Bills t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, whatever, that you can't find anywhere else on the internet, check it out. TeePublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. We are releasing... Our Josh Allen King of the Fourth design. So after this podcast goes up, if you go to tpublic.com slash stories slash ctwpod, you will be there will be a thirty-five percent off uh, discount for all of for this design only. And you'll be able to get $13 t-shirts. It's like $35 hoodies or $32 hoodies. I can't remember. And, uh, yeah, it's got that one. It's got our Allen Diggs 2020 shirts with our slogan, Making Touchdowns Great Again. Um, Stefan Diggs had a great game today. Uh, it was, It's a cool thing. We have our Josh Allen jumping over the haters. Sean McDermott trusts the problem. I mean, we have literally – I have three pages of Bill's designs, some by us, some by some other independent artists that also do Bill's designs. So um, there's just some really cool stuff. And appreciate everyone that's been supporting it. We had uh, a great month, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens after the election happens. But uh, anyway, again, that that site is tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. Why does the election affect the this, this store? <laughs> Um, because the world might not exist. No, I'm just, I was, I just thinking because it's Alan Diggs 2020, are you really going to buy that design after the election? Mm-hmm. You know, like in 2021, okay. you know, so, so yeah, maybe for the rest of 2020, it makes sense, but it'll be a fun, it's just like after, after this year, it'll be like wearing your senior t-shirt, like after any year after that, like, do you guys still have your senior shirts from high school? The long sleeves? Oh, that's like the only thing it's. I own it, and it is so rugged. It is so worn down. <laughs> it is, uh, but I keep it just for that, so I can say, oh, you know. Anyway, um, let's go into it. Mike, or John, you have the stats of the game to start us, to kick us off like you did last week. Um, some really cool overall stats for the Buffalo Bills, um, their record, and uh, and how it affects previous historic teams. Yes, sir. So this is the ninth time the Bills have started the season 4-0. and in the previous eight times, the Bills made the playoffs seven of those times. They won the division five of those times. They won at least one playoff game five of those times. And they made it to the final game four times, including winning two titles. So just like last week, you're basically guaranteeing us a title for the Buffalo Bills, right? I mean, that's what I'm, that's what I'm taking away from this. 
Is that? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, so they made it in their eight previous times. They made it to the final game four times. So 50% chance that they make it to the last game. That's pretty good. Yeah. Especially with the uh, as of now, obviously the Chiefs and the and the Patriots haven't played yet. But without Cam Newton, man, I'm hoping the uh, the Jets or the the Patriots go two and two, so the Bills can just take that much of a lead on the AFC East. Yeah, but I mean, it really doesn't matter. The Bills are going to run the table, so they're going to beat both those teams anyway. Well, of of course, I mean that goes without saying, right? I mean, sixteen and zero is where nineteen and zero, right? That's that's where you need to get. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. We're going to talk later about the schedule and how it affects, you know, the Titans game and, and affects there. I mean, we might not even have a Super Bowl in February, the way that things are going. So um, stats of the game, let's go into the Buffalo Bills side of the ball. Josh Allen, 24 for 34, 288 yards and two touchdowns. If you're looking at a completion percentage, that is a 71% completion percentage. The guy's been lights out this year. Just making great decisions all over the field. Um, Devin single. Oh, Josh Allen stands only here, right? I mean, we're we're pretty much, we've been pretty much Josh Allen on the Josh Allen train since the beginning. I think after we didn't necessarily like the draft pick, but you know, after that, I mean, it was supportive one hundred percent of that one hundred percent of the way. Um, Devin Singletary on the ground, eighteen carries for fifty-five yards and one touchdown, three point one yards per carry. Not a great yards per carry. Bills couldn't really do a lot on the ground today, uh, but Devin Singletary was making some moves in the passing game too. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie, second leading rusher, two carries for 11 yards. I'm surprised they didn't get TJ Yeldon involved in the game, but that's okay. That might might have been by design, obviously. Um, Josh Allen, now, now Padden on Twitter tweeted this out to us. Uh, Padden wrote that this stat line was his stat of the game. Josh Allen, three carries, for minus one yards, but he also did have one touchdown. <laughs> so he had a negative .3 yards per carry. <laughs> and kneel down, too. Oh, there, there you go. There you go. But, I mean, this just goes to show you Josh Allen proving that he did not need his legs at all today, just like last week, to, uh, to, to completely win the game and take over. So uh, we're going into the receiving now. Stefan Diggs. Six receptions on seven targets for 115 yards. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs making touchdowns great again, even though he didn't have a touchdown. <laughs> making touchdowns great again. John Brown, four receptions on five targets for 42 yards. Let's not forget that one amazing catch that he had in the end zone. There should have been a touchdown. Um, <laughs> Cole Beasley, three receptions for 32 yards and one touchdown on four targets. Gabriel Davis, had one reception for 26 yards and one touchdown on one target. What an amazing way to start off the game with that touchdown drive um, to start the game, and uh, the Bills never looked back after that. Uh, five, Devin Singletary, we were just mentioning Devin Singletary in the rushing game, the receiving game, five receptions for 21 yards on six targets. I'm so happy that they're finally using Devin Singletary in the receiving game and just using the running backs in general. And then just a bunch of... Uh, there were, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine receivers involved in today's game. Even Andre Roberts got a reception. It's pretty cool. Um, as far as fumbles go, uh, Josh Norman, Quentin Jefferson forced fumbles and uh, both recovered them. Uh, they, <laughs> they didn't count that uh, Vernon Butler fumble as a fumble. Guys, real quick... Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about that play 
That was maddening to watch Derek Carr take a sack, and we just watched it again right before we got on to record. And basically, Derek Carr is falling down, and he fumbles the ball. It looks like he's about to pitch it backwards, actually, to who I don't know. Um, But it definitely didn't look like a forward throw. It definitely uh, didn't look like a forward pass in general. And they called it not a fumble for whatever reason. The Bills recover it, and they decide it's not a fumble. Their reasoning when they came back from commercial break or whatever on uh, CBS was that uh, they were calling him down by forward progress, but it wasn't a run at all, and it was just a sack, and it was a sack in the backfield. It wasn't like, it wasn't like one of those plays where the guy's being stood up and you and you blow the whistle because you don't want him to get hurt or injured. It was literally just like in the middle of him. F- I mean, he was he was falling down. He was being taken down, and they didn't call that a fumble. Did that did that enrage you guys as much as? me to see that play i know we haven't talked about in depth yet this is the time um how maddening was it to watch another blatant call go against the bills for the 88th week in a row yeah it was terrible like he's getting he's barely getting sacked and like the ball comes out not too long after he gets hit like how do they blow it dead in in that split second in between it was awful I don't think they even blew it dead because we watched it again in real time and there were no whistles whatsoever. <laughs> awful. Just truly awful. I Every week there's something different. And you know what? You know what's different about this team is that they can overcome those things, mm-hmm. unlike in years past. I thought it was a bang, bang play. Like, I, I definitely agree with you guys, but I wish you could have seen a replay or a second angle or now there's no fans. You can certainly hear the audio if there is a whistle. Like, it's just they immediately went to commercial, and you're left wondering, like, scratching your head, like, what, what is happening? And I got the sense, like, it, it felt like they did that a couple of different times when, like, you're intensely interested in what's about to transpire, and it's like, nope. <laughs> it's frustrating. Do you, are you saying that is, like, a conspiracy? Like, they're trying to do this? Like, CBS is trying to make it divert our attention so that we don't question it. I mean, they did mention when they came back, they're like, oh yeah, it was a, but by then it's what, three minutes of commercials. You forgot what the hell you just saw. They didn't show enough replays. I I, I still can't stand that on every broadcast. Every, every penalty should be shown multiple times. Every fumble or change of possession or potential almost touchdown should be shown like, you know, multiple times. And they're trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. Like you said, bang, bang play. It was hit. Within, within what, a half a second, not even, he fumbled it or tossed it backwards. Either way, it, it wasn't, he didn't have forward progress. The guy wasn't, the guy was tackled in the backfield. He wasn't trying to run. There's no forward progress in a sack. Could you imagine how many times, like, Josh Allen would have been saved from a fumble if, or just a sack in general, or any contact if they, if they blew it dead as soon as he was trying to make some sort of forward progress? <laughs> You're talking like two times every game. They would blow the whistle, or they'd not count a, a fumble, depending on if Josh Allen had a fumble that game. But anyway, that was that enraged me. That was so so frustrating as a fan to see that that call go against the Bills, and not for nothing. As a Bills fan, I know we're somewhat biased. I like to think that we're, especially the three of us, we're somewhat objective viewers. I can't remember this season, especially a lot of plays going in our favor that shouldn't have, as opposed to a play like that that went against us that shouldn't have. Do you know what I mean? Like even last week, that pass interference call against the Rams on fourth and goal, 
Like that that should have been called. It was pass interference, I thought. But I don't know if I've seen many calls go against or go for us. I'm like, oh, we didn't like like remember a few years ago when Tyrod Taylor got sacked and instead of helping him up, Von Miller like kind of gave him the psych, you know, and he just like didn't actually help him up. And then they gave him a 15 yard penalty. I'm like, all right, that's a little ridiculous. (laughs) And then the Bills ended up winning that game. But those types of calls, I feel, are like few and far between. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the Bills are always getting screwed by the refs. Thank you, John. Like I up. think it's extremely difficult to separate out the confirmation bias for us as lifelong Bills fans. We forget about the questionable personal foul on roughing the passer on Josh Allen. I'm like, eh, I don't really know. Like, if I was on the other side of things, maybe that would have been raging. Like, maybe not a popular position when we're talking Bills podcast, but it, it's. I like to think that we're the above. things that go against us loom large, and the things that go our way are immediately forgotten. I like to think. No, I th- I think we're better than that. I think uh, I <laughs> I think I'm better than that. <laughs> I I think that we have the ability to look at that and be like, wow, we really. I I think we really got lucky on that one, um, and I feel like we don't say that very often on this podcast. But but fair enough, confirmation bias and and don't uh, you do you think you're a better driver than average? Oh, I'm way better than John, everyone else I, on the road. You do right. I freaking know I'm way better. <laughs> like, how is that possible? Law of averages. We're average drivers, right? But no, everybody thinks they're above average and everybody else is an idiot. I think that's the same with following your favorite football team. Well, we're, the, us three is too small of a sample size. Do, so do you, th- do you think you're a better driver than average, John? Absolutely. <laughs> I've seen John drive. He's not that good. <laughs> there we go. Fair enough. Confirmation. All that being said, I'll tell you where the Bills got screwed by the refs today. <laughs> it was the beginning of the fourth that John Brown catch at the goal line when it was 17-16, which was obviously a touchdown. Obviously a touchdown. To anyone that isn't blind, that was a touchdown. <laughs> Confirmation bias aside, that was obvious. <laughs> yes. Factoring that in completely. Terrible call. <laughs> Uh, we're he not... had possession, broke the plane. What more do you want? Yeah, I don't know. What an amazing play. We'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about that play later. On the Raiders' side of the ball, statistically speaking, we have Derek Carr, 32 for 44, 311 yards, and two touchdowns, zero interceptions. By the way, Josh Allen had zero interceptions today. If you don't count that non-interception from last week, that's four straight games without an interception. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. I don't think that gets talked about enough, especially because he had the fumbles in the first game. Um, But, I mean, really, I mean, he has one interception on the year, but I think that interception just has an asterisk on it. Um, Josh Jacobs led the the Raiders rushing the ball, 15 carries for 48 yards, 3.2 yards per carry. Let's give it up for the Bills' run game today, being able to stop Josh Jacobs, one of the young uh stud running backs in the league and uh and i was really happy to see that i know that the bills uh faced darren waller which darren waller led tight end darren waller led the raiders in receptions nine receptions on 12 targets for 88 yards and uh, i still think they did a good job against darren waller i know the patriots completely eliminated darren waller last week but um i think the bills did a good job on him today too especially forcing that fumble hunter renfro was next five receptions for 57 yards on eight targets. Nelson Aguilar 
four receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown on four targets. He had a good game. Zay Jones had four receptions on six targets for 32 yards, and it goes on from there. So uh, we are going to take a quick commercial break. After we're back, we're going to go into our Sweet Sassy Molassie plays of the game and our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers. So stick around. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. This is our recap show. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm with my co-hosts, John and Mike. We're going to get into our Sweet Sassy Molassie plays of the game. Sweet Sassy Molassie. Get out the checkbook and pay Grandma for the rubdown. All right, John, I'll start with you this week. What are you going to call as your Sweet Sassy Molassie play of the game? This is a tough one. There are a lot of of Sweet Sassy Molassie plays, I feel. Um, The one I'm going to go with is the... Josh Allen to John Brown, almost touchdown um, pass. Beautiful fake on the handoff. That pass from Allen is caught by Brown, and he is just shy of the end zone. This is ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. Does he control? What a catch. Unreal catch. Yeah, I think it really showcases... Allen's ability to throw it into a tight space um, accurately, like he has been the first four games of the season, and um, even you know the second half of last season, um, really shows his improvement. And then just John Brown with the two guys on top of him, um, just making the catch, having that focus. Um, you know, whether it was a touchdown or not, I just think it was a heck of a play, and they got the touchdown anyway. Yeah, Allen put it literally the only place that John Brown could get it while being draped, like you said, by two DBs um, in the end zone. So, Mike, what about you? Is that, is that your sweet sassy molassie play of the game, too, or you got something else for us? No, for me, and this was not at all a hard decision, John. <laughs> it was when it was 23-16, Bills in the fourth quarter, Raiders were driving, they were at the Bills 40, Carr passes to the tight end Waller, right, and Poyer stands him up, and it's Josh Norman that comes in and punches the ball out, and then not only that, he recovers it, and that completely changed. The momentum of the game going forward. Car, quick delivery. Waller, football comes loose. Who's got it? Buffalo recovers the football, still waiting for a signal, and it is Bills football with a huge defensive play. Watch the punch, the Peanut Tillman punch. Wow, what a great job! Great job by Josh Norman to just aim right. Absolutely, Bills never looked back from there. Nope. And then on the ensuing drive, the Bills scored a touchdown to go up 30 to 16. It's another good one. I'm going to say there were a lot of good, a lot of good plays in this game. I will say John is right about that. I'm going to go with the incredible 11 yard touchdown catch by Cole Beasley in the second quarter. Allen slinging it towards the end zone. It's caught Beasley for the touchdown. And he went nearly head over heels, able to squeeze it. I think that was 
just an unreal catch. It was something that just shows, like I mentioned before, uh, Josh Allen willing to take hits and do whatever it takes to win the game. And that was Cole Beasley doing the same thing, just showing him, hey, man, I'm going to catch this ball in coverage, and I'm going to get hit uh, in the bottom by a defensive back going after my legs, and I'm going to get hit on top by a defensive back going for my head, and I'm still going to catch this touchdown. And the Bills went up 14-3. to there were a couple of other really good plays, by the way. I, I have to give some honorable mentions to a couple. Uh, one being the in the fourth quarter, the Bills' defense forced a stop on fourth and one as the Raiders were driving. Gordon goes three tight ends on fourth and one. This is Jacobs. Mm. Did he get it? Buffalo says no, and the Bills take the football back. Ed Oliver, he's the guy. Didn't play great last week, but watch the effort on Jackson. Push him back, get off the block, and wait for the Bills Cavalry, Poyer and company, to come in. What a great play. And I feel like this is almost becoming a weekly occurrence where the Bills defense is stepping up in these situations. And we mentioned the Bills having a good day um, stopping Josh Jacobs on the ground, but um, I, even even when they haven't done great all game, I feel like they step up in these big moments. And uh, I, I, I feel like Ed Oliver had that really great tackle on Josh. It was just, it just kind of shows you that this defense still has something in them. I, w- I would argue. So we were talking about defense earlier, the defense having a decent game today, uh, probably one of their best games all season. Part of me wonders if one of the reasons that they were a top five defense last season may have been the opponents that they played um, as well. Uh, I'm not going to say that 100%. I think they have a, a good defense. I don't know if it's elite anymore or if they'll come into their own later in the season. But uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. I think they have a good defense, but luckily their offense can can win win them games uh, when it counts. All right, let's go into our wall of famer of today's game. Wall. All right, John, Mike, actually, Mike, I'm gonna start off with you this time. Mike, who do you put on your wall of fame for today's victory? It's got to be Josh Norman. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, cool. All right, John. You you want some extrapolation? It was his Buffalo Bills debut, right? We've been waiting and waiting. He been on IR for three weeks with a hamstring. He suffered the injury the first week of padded practice um, back in training camp, so he basically missed all of camp. We touched on it already, but he was, used to be a first-team All-Pro in uh, 2015 with the Panthers. And just had a great debut. <laughs> yes, had a great debut, um, especially when he not being expected really to to play much. But when Levi Washington went down in the first quarter, um, it was next man up. And with Norman, right, like not only forces the fumble, but also recovers it. And I thought that was the play of the game. Yeah. As mentioned by and your sweet therefore, <laughs> He was he's the player of the game. <laughs> nice. John, what about you? Wall of Fame. You can't go Josh Allen every week. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike, but you're wrong. Um and this this is kind of weird because I am gonna go Josh Allen. I think this is the fourth oh, week in a row. Very I don't think I've ever 
ever picked a Bills quarterback in the last 15 years as a player of the week. But I'm doing it again. 280 yards passing, three total touchdowns, plays inspired football. He gets the rest of his team to a point where they're just playing their hearts out. And and you can see that in both offense and defense. And he's just, he's just amazing. I, I just can't say anything else about it. That video resurfaced. I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter, John. You might have seen it, where it was like a it's like a Hyundai commercial, right? It's like a seven minute long clip, and it was circulating around Bill's Twitter the last week, and it was basically this his backstory for before he was drafted, right? They're talking about him coming from, you know, California, which everyone thinks, you know, surfing and you know Hollywood, but it's like literally like flat and it's all farmland, right? His parents on a farm and they showed about like him working on the farm. And it was one of those things where um, you realize this guy, it's almost like a Rocky story. Like you remember the Rocky poster? He had a million, his, his whole life was a million to one shot. Well, Josh Allen's success right now is like a, a million to one shot because he finished high school. He got no offers whatsoever. He was offered to like walk out and Bruce and Bruce Nolan went over this on last uh, Thursday's podcast, but um, there was just so little going in his way to actually succeed in the NFL that, like, I mean, it's just, it was really cool um, to see it come around and to just hear him talk about it, his family, like, what, he got no D1 offers coming out of, of high school, he did Juco ball just to hopefully get someone's attention, and then he went to, you know, Wyoming, which, you know, when was the last time Wyoming competed, you know, in an FBS level, and, and, um, he made it there. He became the seventh overall pick, and uh, the Bills have him. And uh, it's kind of, it is indicative of, I think, as Bills fans, like the underdog. I know he went in, you know, seventh overall, but it's like, you know, everyone counted him out, just like everyone always counts out the city of Buffalo. Um, you know, they only see it one way. They only see the cold weather, the weather, the snow. Um, they don't see all the good that it has to offer and I feel like it's the same thing with Josh Allen and people are finally seeing that and we're seeing it you know finally come to complete fruition and um, it's fun it's fun to be a a fan rooting for him and seeing that kind of maturation uh, process happen within your own starting quarterback and see see the lights come on and and everything's firing and uh, and uh, we're reaping the benefits of sticking with him this whole time so good on us good job everyone (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give my wall of fame to, uh, in saying that Josh Allen's amazing, I'm going to give it to Stefan Diggs. <laughs> Stefan Diggs goes on my wall of fame. Dude was just absolutely tearing up the Raiders secondary, a good Raiders secondary. I know they had some injuries today, um, but uh, I, I, I was just, I just loved the way he played today. He had an amazing catch. He had that 49 yard catch down the field. It was just, uh, where he was basically up over the defender, and uh, what they say he, he got mossed. The defender got mossed by Stefan Diggs, and I mean he's he's everything that we talk about. Josh Allen being everything we want in a franchise quarterback. I mean we haven't had a wide receiver like Stefan Diggs since what Eric Molds. I mean Lee Evans wasn't on this level. Um, it's it's hard to think of a wide receiver that we had that's been as good as Stefan Diggs has been in his first four games as a Buffalo Bill. All right, let's go into our wall of shame for today's victory. Shame. 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 
each game we i mean it's hey it's not all rainbows and sunshine right like there there there's some players or some people or some coaching staffs that uh areas of coaching that, that don't have a great game so john i'm going to start with you who do you have on your wall of shame for today's victory you know, I wasn't going to give it to anybody, um, but after we were talking about that fumble and the refs, I'm just going to give it to the refs. Nice. Second st- second straight week. I believe you gave it to them last week for that gaffe and that Tyler Croft non-interception. Yes. Yes, I did. Yes. I I posted what uh, someone tweeted it, and I retweeted it. I posted it on Instagram. By the way, if you're not following us on Twitter, at CTWPod, like at Circling the Wagons Pod, pod um, Please do. If you, by the way, if you guys want us to follow you back, we follow back a lot of fans. Um, just tweet at us. Be like, hey, CTW Pod, just follow me back, man, and uh, I will. And I, I'll follow you back. I'll do that on Instagram. I'll do whatever you guys want. Um, I love following Bills fans. It's one of my favorite. I mean, we wouldn't have as many followers if it wasn't for you guys following us. So um, I'm happy to follow people back. Um, and honestly, I love reading your guys' tweets during the game because you know you guys may not have six or seven thousand followers or whatever like us, but um, you know, you guys have great takes during the game, and I'll retweet them if uh, if I think they're good enough. And uh, yeah, so uh, John that gives was it kind of a humble brag. <laughs> we only we only have you know six or seven thousand followers or whatever, but um, I don't think that's I don't think that's a talk ton. about putting others down to raise yourself up. Oh, I would never do that. That's that is not my. That is not. It's my... like the crabs all stuck in the pot, and like one tries to climb his way out to freedom, and all the others just pull him back down. <laughs> and if it's good enough, I guess I'll retweet it. I mean, if it's if it's not complete garbage, like most of you guys all tweet out there, then maybe. <laughs> like I said, we have six or seven thousand followers because of everyone that follows us, like the people that followed us from the beginning on the podcast. So it's all because of you guys. So I will follow you back. So. Uh, humble brag aside, Mike, who is on your wall of shame? I'm going to go with the coaching staff's response to COVID. Um, it's irritating to me to watch Gruden pull his mask down when he talks to people, right? Um, and then the Bills, I think, much better at um, in, as an institution or as a franchise, keeping the, like understanding the importance of the coaching staff to have their mess up. But then it's, I think it's distressing like at the end of the game to have everybody face to face hugging each other. Like that's something that could completely derail the Bills' season when it's going so well. Right. Um, you hate to talk about the season when it's people's lives really at stake, but NFL policy required to wear masks at all times on the sidelines. And I think just the behavior puts the, the 2020 season at rest because the Raiders um, they violated the COVID pro- protocols multiple times at this point. They've been fined 50000 for unauthorized people coming into their locker room, right? And then Gruden was fined $100,000 for not following the mask protocols at a previous game. And then the, uh, a large number of Raiders players were out at a charity event without masks and intermingling with just random randos from the public, right? Like, And that you want to say oh, a black swan event, but it's not a black swan. Like it's a global pan- pandemic. Like it's imminently foreseeable. So I think um, it's disappointing to see it from Gruden, who's somebody we've seen on ESPN and who seems like an intelligent guy. Right. So I, th- I think that's disappointing. But then the bills, even though they're better at following the protocol, it should be like, okay, game's over. Get in the locker room. Like eventually it's going to, it's going to be a bubble. And if it doesn't go to a bubble, like, 
you could see it second wave and seasons canceled. Like it's just, I think it's irresponsible when things are, again, you hate to just put it in football perspective, but we've waited 20 years for this success and like, it's going to suck if uh, there's an outbreak on the bills because of, of one typhoid Mary on the Raiders team. Yeah. You, you hate to be that guy. That's like, like nobody likes a person that points out to other people that they're not wearing a mask. Like if you're walking down the street and someone's walking on the other side of the street, do you really want to be like, Hey dude, you're not wearing a mask. Like, I don't think you necessarily need to be, but as long as you're six feet away, but like, you know, like you hate to be that guy that like calls people out, but I'm, I'm the same way. Like I saw a picture of, Matt Barkley and Robert Woods from last week taking a picture like right next to each other, holding each other's jerseys. You know, they used to play together at USC. And like, that's great. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, they don't get to play each other that often. NFC, AFC. Like, I get it. You guys haven't seen. But it's like, now's not the year. This is not the year you do that. Like, this is not the year that that you do these events like you mentioned, um, an event where nobody was wearing a mask. I mean, they're they're acting as if this didn't happen. And just this week, the president of the United States got you know, became positive with COVID. And it's like, it it, it can, it, it's already affected 7 million Americans. It can affect anyone, literally anyone. Um, and to, to just throw caution to the wind like that um, from the standpoint of the Raiders and other teams, like we're going to talk about the Titans doing um, this, this takes everyone, uh, you know, pulling in the same direction to make sure that this season, this season gets, it's crazy how politicized, like some of the, the mass and other issues have, but even if we just make it only about football, so excluding everything else, like the Patriot season, like <laughs> we don't want to, um, sing their praises. Certainly there are arch rival, I would say, right. We don't want to see them have success, but they're to have your starting quarterback who was, lights out playing awesome so who knows how long cam newton will be out or the long-term effects and you would just hate to see something like that like all the best of course yeah of course right of course but we wouldn't want something like that to happen to josh allen <laughs> and it could easily is imminently foreseeable yeah yeah i can if, see that well, yeah they, they should they should do the same thing like you mentioned as soon as the game's done just usher them off into the sidelines like you know keep keep yourselves apart from your own team and then you know, one team goes in first into the locker room, the losing team, right? Because they want to get in probably for before everyone else. You like you don't need to say congratulations to the coach. You don't need to say congratulations to other team. Like you guys are gonna have to talk another way. Sorry, like this isn't the time to say, hey, remember when we used to play college football together? Like now's not the time. Like you guys can do that next year or whenever we have a vaccine that's a viable vaccine, and then you know the years after that, you guys want to talk, you guys want to FaceTime, do it, but not. We're, we're trying to avoid this thing getting worse than it already started to get this last week with a with an outbreak. So we're going to get into that in a minute because I, I absolutely want to talk about that uh, more and more because I, I think that's I think you're bringing up really good points, Mike. Um, and I think that's something we should worry about, especially with I mean, if we were like, you know, the 0 and 4 Texans, like who gives a shit? right? <laughs> like this season can go off the rails. It doesn't matter if you. You know, just end the season right now. We don't need to finish this out. Bill, Bill O'Brien is probably praying that there's more. There's like a COVID outbreak. He's like, well, what was I supposed to do this week? You know, he's, he's probably trying to get it out somewhere um, in public. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's a little too much. But um, it's just like for us, for a team that's four and zero, like this is the year. Let's not have the year go completely off the rails. Um, 
So I'm going to say in my wall of shame, going back to wall of shames, <laughs> is oh, I'm, yeah. Just, I'm just, yeah, that's what we were talking about. I'm going to go, uh, I'm just going to say mine is third quarter execution. Um, doesn't really need to say more than that. Again, the Bills kind of came out of the of halftime flat-footed. It wasn't a great response by the Bills. Um, luckily, though, even though the Bills didn't score any points in the third quarter like usual, um, they only allowed three points by the Raiders. So um, it could have been worse. Um, still not great, but I will say, uh, I did see on Reddit, it was funny, somebody responded, um, the third quarter. So I think I'm going to continue to call the Bills third quarter, the third quarter, unless they start proving us otherwise. Now, as always, after every game, I go to Twitter at CTWpod. A shameless plug, not going to humble brag our follower account anymore. Um, as Mike mentioned, we have some followers. That's all you need to know. Um, follow us on uh, Instagram also and Facebook. You can, I don't really care about Facebook. Facebook is garbage now, but uh, <laughs> I'll explain that some other podcast if you guys want to talk. Basically how they censor everything that you write and they only let you see like, like I think we have like 1,500 followers. Again, not, not humble bragging, just the amount of people that follow us on Facebook and like 100 see each post. So um, it's like whatever. Uh, so after every, after every game... I put on Twitter uh, who is who or what is on your wall of fame or wall of shame for today's victory. So uh, we get a lot of great feedback from our followers on Twitter. Uh, we are going to start off with Dave Thorpe. Dave Thorpe writes, uh, 4-0, baby, wall of fame, Quinn Jefferson, Matt Milano, Cole Beasley, and Stefan Diggs. Wall of shame, Bass shanked that extra point, although he did make amends with his tackle right after the kick- kickoff. And Josh taking the 14-yard sack to put us out of field goal range. Very 2018. Play of the game was the gutsy fourth down McKenzie run. Great call. We didn't mention that earlier. That was a really great run. The Bills were fourth and one, and there was an end around for Isaiah McKenzie for a 19-yard gain on that. That was really creative. Another great game. Another great game called by uh, Brian Dable. (laughs) Again, we're all worried about Leslie Frazier getting the uh, phone calls for a head coaching job, and I think uh, that's moved to uh, to Brian Dable. Andrew Ensing is in. He writes, Wall of Fame, Quinn Jefferson bouncing back from a terrible roughing the passer call to strip, sack, and recover the fumble. That was a great play, by the way, by Quinn Jefferson. Um, really excited to see him have a great game, especially after last week. Uh, apparently he didn't have a very good game uh, stopping the run, so uh, great bounce back game from him. In general, wall of shame, he writes, the Bills defense in general needs to play better and cover short middle of the field passes. Mike Taylor is in. He writes, wall of fame, Allen's toughness. I I have a love-hate relationship with the way he uses his body. If he just went down, he would never be in danger of injury, but you got to love the extra effort. Man, that is that is a constant uh, back and forth with me also, Mike. Uh, you love to see it, but then you just like, man, when he went down with that injury in the second quarter, I'm like, uh, I hope this is only going to be for the next uh, few minutes and not the entire season. You never know. You never know with those injuries. Um, Mike writes, wall of shame, missing short passes. There were three or four short, easy passes dropped. Uh, a couple of those were the receiver's fault. A couple of those times, um, Josh didn't just didn't put it where he needed to put it. Uh, Mike Graham writes, Wall of Fame digs with that moss-like catch. Man, it feels good to have him on the team. Wall of Shame, A.J. Klein. He makes me nervous every time he is on the field. Glad the Bills stopped playing him in the fourth quarter. Man, that is funny. You know, I've seen there was that pass in the end zone to, was it 
was it the Jason Witten touchdown or was it the Hunter Renfro touchdown? I can't remember, but either way, AJ Klein was back there covering nobody either in the zone or whatever, and didn't stop that catch. Um, I haven't seen a lot of positive from A.J. Klein this season. I know he's not on the field as much, like Mike mentioned, um, not in the fourth quarter at all. And I know the Bills don't like to have three linebackers on the field that often, but, man, um, not a whole lot of positive out of A.J. Klein this season. Phil Zone Ready writes, Wall of Fame, McDermott's upside, upside down face mask by design minimizing the third quarter and he's saying minimizing the third quarter collapse which is a good point he, they did minimize the third quarter collapse still a, still a collapse but just not as not as great of a collapse right we're not talking about like an entire tower falling down it's just like you fall off the first story of a building right it's gonna hurt but it doesn't you know paralyze you well it could i guess uh, wall of shame mcdermott's upside McDermott's upside down face mask and now bill's mafia is wondering if he should wear it upside down in the second half forever Four and freaking oh, that's funny. <laughs> wall of Fame and Wall of Shame he gave to McDermott's upside down face mask. All right, Jared Scroggins is in Jared Bright's <laughs> Wall of Shame. Josh Allen didn't throw. Now he did the thing where it's like the uh, the SpongeBob SquarePants when he's like, "Oh, the Josh Allen didn't throw for three hundred yards." Like hands on his hips thing. It's like, all right, Jared, you cannot do Wall of Fame or Wall of Shames where I have to explain a meme to people while I'm reading it, but. That's essentially what he's doing. Uh, funny, sarcastic. We get it snarky. For real, though, um, the defense needs to step up and play like last year. Wall of Fame goes to the wide receivers that made some tremendous catches today. Again, I'm sure he's talking about the Cole Beasley touchdown catch. You're talking about the John Brown non-touchdown catch that he made. And then, obviously, Stephon Diggs' his entire day. Jason Statham writes, long night, long night, long night for Jason being in the UK. I mean, the dude had to probably stay up till four in the morning, but he says, great team win. The defense finally showed up. Wall of Fame, Stefan Diggs, he looked fired up. Yes, he did. He did. Abrams, the uh, the safety really got in his face. I think he really fired him up. They were going back. They were going at it back and forth. And uh, yeah, they showed up. I think, I think that makes him step up a little bit. Wall of Shame. I can't pick a player, so I'm just going to say missed tackles. Too many, giving up big plays. Go Bills, 4-0. Megatron is in. Oh, it's a lady. And she writes, Wall of Fame. Diggs and Josh Norman showed up when we needed when we needed it as much as I want to dislike him. Dislike Josh Norman, huh? Okay. All right. Wall of Shame. The defense was very poor and uh, too many missed tackles. Again, with the missed tackles for Wall of Shame. Sean Lonigan is in. <laughs> Sean Lonigan writes, Wall of Fame, Brian Dable. Good calls all day. How about the McKenzie end around on fourth and one? Great call there, Sean. Wall of Shame, CBS. Those fucking dopes messed up the score and down 10 times during the game. <laughs> I, I did notice that they were, uh, we didn't have the A crew. Again, I don't know if the A crew gets that right either, but uh, we didn't have the A crew. I remember one time there was a three-yard loss, and they gave it as a three-yard game, and then they switched it back. Yeah, yeah. CBS. Can't broadcast shit. Wall of Fame. This is Kathleen, by the way. Wall of Fame, receiving core, and Singletary, the Josh Long Ball. Yeah, Josh is just crushing it this year at the Long Ball. Um, Wall of Shame, the third quarter D is sluggish, and the sack taking the Bills out of field goal range. Yep, she's talking about the uh, the Josh Allen sack on third and 18 where he took a 14-yard loss. Where he, it, was, it was amazing. He's he, he missed a couple of plays. He tried to go inside, and then the guy just... He just got smashed. Um, 
Richard W. Griswold is in Wall of Fame. Allen threw for a season-low 288 yards, but some of his throws and the catches by the wide receiver core were nothing short of spectacular. Honorable mention goes to the locker room x-ray machine right before halftime. Wall of Shame goes to the Bills' defense in the first half. They continue their abysmal play by allowing eight consecutive scoring drives dating back to Week 3. Look at you, Richard W. Griswold, picking out the the stats of the game. That's our that's our job, man. You don't get to do that stuff, but <laughs> great stats. Um, eight consecutive scoring drives dating back to Week 3. Jeez. I don't know what Leslie Frazier said to them at halftime to get them straightened out. I suspect it was loud and rich in colorful language. <laughs> Chris Allegrat is in, Christopher Allegrat. Chris Allegrat writes, Wall of Fame, Josh Norman with the forced fumble. Wall of Shame, the defense not stopping the pass over the middle. Man, they cannot stop slot receivers or tight ends this season. That has been a big issue for the Bills, even with Milano and Edmonds back. Beanie, the underrated, undefeated Bills fan. Beanie, this is the third the third uh, Lady Bills fan, Lady Listener that we've had uh Tweet of the podcast. All right. That's awesome. She writes, Wall of Fame. Allen gets permanent residence here, so I'll go Josh Norman. Forced a turnover that let us run away with the game and switched the momentum. Well, is it weird? I'm the whenever I think of momentum changing plays, I always think of Gettysburg for some reason. Was that just beat into us in school? Like the changing of the Civil War was the Gettysburg, you know, battle. The Battle of Gettysburg. Am I the only one that thinks that every time I think of a play that changed the game? Mike, you're the AP history buff. It's just me, isn't it? I think. <laughs> you never. Have you ever thought of that? A play that changed the game. Oh, it's the, it was the Gettysburg of the game. No? Is that a new. That's, so that's not a new segment. We should try to. I think the, your synaptic connections were just a very formative time when you learned that or something. And I don't. You're saying like, I, have, I have a childlike thought process? <laughs> something just latched on in your brain. Momentum shifter, right? That's all I, I don't know. Because you could say that about anything, couldn't you? Yeah, that I do. I do say that about everything. It was the Gettysburg of uh, that, no, but I mean, that like project that I worked has, on. Everything has a turning point. Like, oh, the Napoleonic Wars is like when Napoleon invaded Russia. It was a catastrophe. Like, that's when he... Started to everything started to suck like Gettysburg. Everything started to go right. I, I you're lucky. I, I, I don't like like there's a, a turning point in everything. Literally, right? Every literally. I, I've never heard of the one that you mentioned about Napoli. Who's he? What's he? Is there Napoleon? a person? Is there a person you involved? The, Napoleon. You, missed, you don't know who Napoleon is. I, I've I've obviously heard of Napoleon. Could do I remember the Napoleon? Russo war. He was the emperor of the French who was who was taking over Europe, right? Conquering the whole continent. And then he got quite cocky and decided to he had a treaty and Russia was an ally and then he's like, "Ah, oh, I'm going to invade Russia." As they do. As they <laughs> as they often do, um not realizing that Russian winters were very uh cold. Man, hit so he went in with say 600,000 men and came back with 20,000. Like that was a say a uh, momentum shift. Oh yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think that seems to be the common misconception of people trying to invade Russia from the West <laughs> is <laughs> not realizing how far it takes to get to Moscow. <laughs> very far. Very, very far. Very cold. Or you have to just decide you're going to start 
in like April, right? Like when it starts to get warm. It's like the Oregon Trail. <laughs> the Oregon Trail. It's just. It start in June. Yeah. Fascist dictators, emperors, they always make the same mistake. Never. Yeah, exactly. Just like the Oregon Trail, you never travel. You always travel when the weather's about to get good. And then you got to make sure you end that travel in like October. <laughs> you can't, can't make it go through the winter. That will not end well for your family in the Oregon Trail. What about, um, what about how come nobody ever invades Russia from the east? <laughs> they never go through China or whatever. That's just an un... Just um, not done. Just not done. <laughs> like, so much warmer there. I don't get it. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I have heard of Napoleon, though. I will say that. The uh, the the uh, Louisiana Purchase, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. uh, okay. You're so, a little bit more focused on, on the U.S. The U.S. US that's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's all I care about. Isn't that yeah. all we, <laughs> are you saying I'm a very egocentric person? What was it? What was that term in, uh, in history that they always showed? We were homo or uh, homeo. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh genius oh genius yeah <laughs> or ego uh whatever egocentric egocentric <laughs> yeah yeah we're both of those things yeah um going back what were we talking so, about so i shouldn't so you're saying i should not introduce a new part of the of the podcast a new segment where we talk about the gettysburg of the game gettysburg of the game and then i'll do some like you know, uh, Civil War type music playing in the background. I'd be like, what was the Gettysburg of the game, Mike? And you'll be like, no, you mean the Napoleonic Russian play of the game? <laughs> like, do you think we should add that? I'm completely talking about. So what would you do for the Civil War music? I just feel like 50,000 people died. You know, it's kind of, oh. or you know, like casualties. Oh, so yeah. it's like, we could think of something like, more lighthearted, like Napoleon. <laughs> well, it's a, a lot longer ago. Oh, so it's just a matter of time, and then we were forget to we're able to forget all the fatalities that happened. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't suggesting though we use that. <laughs> <laughs> what would you use? I don't know of a good. Uh, anyway, if you guys have a good idea of like a changing a point, maybe a movie. <laughs> oh, a movie like when the when a the book? other. Something when when the one fiction? side when they went from that's that's like every single movie ever made when the odds are against them and then they overcome those odds. the Rudy moment <laughs> the Rudy moment of the game no yeah okay. something like that but better but better Josh <laughs> Allen by the way Josh Allen's story is like Rudy is like a Rudy like story farmer you know except Rudy was like a farmer in the Midwest Josh was a farmer in California. You know, you talk about, like, odds are against him. Except in the end, like, Josh Allen is a potential MVP candidate. And Rudy had a sack on a, a game, meaningless play. A meaningless play that didn't matter whatsoever in the game that they were running away from. <laughs> Notre Dame was completely destroying the other team. <laughs> and uh, the coach only did it because the other players threatened to quit. <laughs> Allegedly. And then he never played again. Then he never played again. All right, so where were we? Beanie the undefeated Bills fan? Wall of Shame, God, the entire terrible. yeah, terrible. We're cutting all this off. Wall of Shame, God, the entire defense could go on here. Absolutely no pass rush, man. The Bills really need. I know this is way too early in the season, and we've gone off track multiple times. But I would put like pass rusher somewhere up high on the list, not at the at the top of the list. I would actually put like offensive line help 
pass-blocking help for Josh Allen. Could you imagine? He has all the same weapons he has right now next year in 2021. You give him an upgrade offensive line and maybe another tight end, and you're talking the guys, the, the offense is unstoppable. It's unstoppable if he doesn't get injured, man. Mark writes, Wall of Fame, the whole Bills team, first visitor to win at Allegheny, Allegheny Stadium. Is it Allegiant Stadium? I think that's what he means. Allegiant Stadium? That's awesome. Yeah. Allegiant, yeah. Allegiant. It's probably autocorrect, Mark. It's not your fault, man. Oh, he did correct himself afterwards. I didn't see that. Allegiant. That's all right. I knew, we knew what you meant. We knew what you meant. Wall of Shame, the definition of a touchdown. Ugh. Well, it's only if you're the Bill, the, defini- the definition of a touchdown. Every other team, it seems completely clear for. <laughs> not, hashtag not bitter. Um, we're going to get some new people in here. Um, Joe Forrest writes, Wall of Fame, the defense showing up. And Wall of Shame, NFL officials not giving Brown his touchdown catch after blowing another call on the Bills. The NFL hates the Bills Mafia. Yes, they do. They hate us. Adam Talmadge is in. He writes, Wall of Fame, Josh Norman, stepped up in place of Levi Wallace and forced a crucial fumble. Diggs, 115 yards. Bean looks like a genius every week, man. Yes, he does. Um, Wall of Shame, the third quarter woes. Missing the cherry on top of the Sunday. Four four points missed. The extra point in Allen's sack. We'll need those points for better teams. That's a good point. I I forgot that we we never mentioned Tyler Bass missing that extra point. Um, yeah, yeah. Luckily, he did make that field goal. Prime time. Bill is in. He's he's at underscore or he's at, he. I'm sorry. He's at brother underscore Bill. If you guys aren't following him, uh, I retweet his videos. The guy does hilarious videos. Um, that's awesome that he's tweeting in. Wall of Fame. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Josh Norman, and Cole Beasley. Oh well, at least you limited it, Bill. At least it was just you know, you really narrowed it down on that one. <laughs> I like how I say follow him, and then I'm just shitting all over him. Wall of Shame, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, A.J. Klein, Jordan Poyer, and a pick of the defensive line. I can't choose one. That's funny. Um, Dude, Tremaine Edmonds, he is struggling this season, and I'm hoping it's just partly injury and partly because there was no preseason because uh, he just seems to be missing gaps and just taking on blockers um, quite often. More than he should. Um, and not shedding blocks, I should say. Randall Yu is in. Wall of Fame, Stefan Diggs. The catch in the fourth was elite. Wall of Shame, AJ Klein. He was on skates out there winning the game. Yes, he was. Uh, Todd is in. Man, getting a lot of new guys. I'm going to try to get you guys all in. Oh, there's only three more of you. <laughs> Todd is in. He writes, Wall of Fame, Ed Oliver. Two huge plays on key possessions. Josh Norman for the same reason. Yeah, Ed Oliver. We haven't talked a lot about Ed Oliver besides that huge fourth down stop. But uh, I'm really enjoying the way Ed Oliver is playing this week. It was tough last week because the Bills were getting gashed through the middle by every single defensive lineman. But uh, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm I'm glad to see some growth from Ed Oliver. We're gonna I'm hoping hoping we're gonna see more sacks as the season goes on. Wall of Fame. Dave writes in. Dave says Wall of Fame. The Joshes. <laughs> Josh Allen. Nice. Josh Allen. Josh Norman. Wall of Shame. Sehan, Sehan Fahey, probably going to call that ball to Diggs interceptable. Uh, that ball to Brown on the goal line was clearly a routine play even an average quarterback could make. How many times did Josh steal his lunch money back in the day? See, I, I, 
Man, Dave, I agree with you. C.N. Fahey, he's one of those Twitter trolls that just loves to just completely crap all over the Bills and Josh Allen specifically. I dude, I just I just block that out, man. It's just it's just like those guys are gonna do. They're just trying to get under. There's a, there comes a point where people just try to troll you in general and try to get under your skin. The first few times you get upset about it, and then after a while, it's just like whatever. Like just keep talking about it. I mean, it's just not gonna get you anywhere. Like, it's not true. You just look like an idiot now. And that's uh, that's pretty much C.N. Fahey. And by the way, real quick, I just want to talk about, because Aaron Schatz, the, speaking of guys that get under my skin, I'm just going to talk about how Dave shouldn't let people get under his skin, like C.N. Fahey, and I'm going to talk about how Aaron Schatz from Football Outsider gets under my skin. He just wrote, like, you know, sure, Allen's success is, you know, it was, just because it was 3% probable doesn't mean that when it happens that, you know, it was still improbable at the time. It still happened, but it was still 3% probable. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Um, jump in if you want to. But when somebody says that, like, Josh Allen becoming successful is only, like, a 3% prob- probability, he might have just been throwing a number out there. I don't know what his model really showed. But maybe, in my opinion, it's time that you relook at your model. Because you think of these guys make up models to who's going to be successful in the NFL, who's not going to be successful in the NFL, and they give somebody a 3% chance, they're saying, well, obviously my model's correct. It's just It was just improbable, which I agree was improbable. But maybe, just maybe, there is a factor that you didn't include in your model. Maybe there were multiple factors. Maybe if you looked at closely, there were two or three factors that you don't have in your model that would have said Josh had maybe a 50-50 chance of being successful in those in those factors. So when you don't include them, I feel like, yeah, it was a 3% chance maybe in your model, but maybe your model needs work, which I don't think these guys, these analytic guys are willing to admit and really truly evaluate the fact that Josh Allen is being successful. Maybe it's time you start reevaluating the way that you look at analytics. Plus you got to factor in that 37% of all statistics are made up. Where'd you read that? A quote by Abraham Lincoln on the internet? <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Uh, not many people know this. The uh, the father of statistics <laughs> when it comes to analytics and uh, quotes about statistics. I think I think you make a good point in terms of like it comes down to the model, right? But maybe he's looking at all historical data and, and feeding it like people with or players with this accuracy or this number of wins or this. Like I agree with the premise that I think it's smart to think probabilistically and just because it didn't plan, pan out this time doesn't mean it's wrong. Like you could look back at 2016 election and all the high profile projections, right? Like, Oh, if Hillary has an 80% chance of winning, well, if, if Trump wins, it doesn't mean the model's wrong. It means in different iterations of the, the same thing, like, right. Maybe she wins 80% and Trump wins 20 just because Trump wins. We're in the universe where he wins one doesn't mean the model's incorrect. Like I applaud an attempt to think probabilistically. Like too often we're very it's either yes or no, it's binary. Yes, no, not really. It should be well, I think there's a seventy percent chance of this happening. And just because it doesn't doesn't mean it's wrong. Yep. Like right like Sam Darnold was higher rated, you had Rosen, a lot of people. But two, I think what complicates it is you're not talking in a vacuum. And I think Darnold or Rosen would have swapped their spot with Allen, so to speak, in terms of being a Buffalo Bill with 
Brandon Bean surrounding you with quality players and the coaching staff and the consistency, like Allen finds himself in a, in a very enviable spot, I think. And that's huge for a young quarterback. Yeah. Enough can't be said about that, Mike. Great points. Great points. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they, I'm sure they wish they did. And I'm sure, you know, even some quarterbacks that do get that opportunity, if, if the front office and coaching staff does build around them, maybe they don't take it also. So, I mean, hats off to both Bean and, mm-hmm. and, and the front office and, and McDermott for getting the most out of Josh Allen. Josh Allen willing to put the work in to be that good. All right, I'm going to end it on a couple more. JNC Bills fan writes, Wall of Fame, Tyler Bass for, for that absolute boss TD-saving tackle. That's a good point. Um, what I love about JNC Bills fan is he also says, Wall of Shame, Tyler Bass for not being as good as house money and putting himself in a position where he needed to make a money play. I love the wall of fame, wall of shame, same person, just like we did week one. And uh, we likened it to the employee of the month, someone becoming employee of the month, and then getting walked out that same day <laughs> and getting let go from uh, from your job. That's, uh, that's great. I still love him. Um, Buffalo Ceilings writes in, I never get in Buffalo Ceilings. He tweeted at us. He said, wall of fame, motor for solid rushing, Good blitz pickup and that backfield stiff arm. Wall of shame, AJ Locksmith Klein. He can make anyone be open. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like that one. Love adding new nicknames in. So thank you guys all for tweeting at us. Um, next week. So, Mike, next week the Bills quote unquote play the Tennessee Titans. In Tennessee, we don't know if that game's happening. Are there uh, odds up for that game as of now? As of the time we're recording this Sunday night. Yeah, let me backtrack a little bit. Titans are 3-0. and They beat the Broncos 16-14 week one. They beat the Jags 33-30 in week two. They beat the Vikings 31-30 in week three. Incredibly close games. Week four was supposed to be against Pittsburgh, but it's now been moved to week seven following the coronavirus outbreak with the Titans. And the best current odds we have, do you guys want to take a guess? Oh, absolutely. John, you got to get in on this. Um, let's see. They're in Tennessee. The Bills are 4-0. The Titans are 3-0. We don't even know if they're getting back all their players from that are on the COVID reserve list. Um, I'm going to say the Bills are definitely favored then. I'm going to say it being in Tennessee, they're not going to be favored by as much. Um, I'm going to go three and a half. John? I'll go with three. Got to give the nod to Nate. What I found, one yes. place had six, one place had eight and a half. Oh, wow. Jeez. So these are like the outlaw line, just the feelers they're throwing out there real early to see what people are biting on, but higher than we might expect if the Titans are indeed undefeated. But huge question marks surrounding the organization with with uh corona yeah man i feel like the bills real quick while we're on the titans i feel like the bills always have Tannehill's number though i'm not worried about him compared to other quarterbacks compared to even david carr so or Derek carr (laughs) i let's talk about that game real quick when this first started happening i was kind of ticked off that the titans were getting a um buy before the bills because um essentially like it's not it's, they're not being rewarded, of course. I kind of make it made it sound like it, they were over Twitter. But what upsets me about this whole thing is that 31 other teams, at the, at the time at least, 31 other teams had 
been able to keep it in check. And as of now, of course, that could change any any hour. It could change any minute. It could change like these guys get on the airplane back and they test positive, you know, for, for COVID or whatever. But, you know, I it's got to be upsetting as a Steelers fan or a Steelers player more so to have your bye week this week instead of like, you know, when you were supposed to have a week seven because the other team couldn't socially distance, couldn't quarantine like they were supposed to. And, you know, I get it. People make mistakes. But at the same time, like, man, you have to do your job. You're talking about trusting the process. I mean, man, the the process goes into your own personal life now. Like, you have to do so much more as as a professional football player than you ever did previously to make sure that you don't get sick to put your team in harm's way. And I'm worried that the NFL allowing the team to have a bye week like this is is worrisome because how many players are going to be tested positive before they give a before they give a team a bye week like this? Like we know that right now, at least uh, the Patriots are supposed to play the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Supposedly, what if another Patriots player becomes positive besides Cam Newton? I mean, what's the threshold? We don't know because the, just like the NFL suspending players for violence or DUIs or whatever they do, there's no like set limit. Like they don't seem to have a statute put in place of like, they're this, this, this. So, I mean, right now there's, I mean, I mean, Tennessee is an all out outbreak. They have 10 players and 10 coaches or personnel that have tested positive for COVID right now since last Tuesday. Um, And it's just like, I I don't know what's going to happen. Like how many weeks are we going to, let teams just take a bye week. I mean, are we going to add, end up adding weeks at the end of the season? Are we going to, is this Super Bowl going to happen in May? <laughs> because we end up having to stop the season in general for multiple weeks. I mean, what, 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 what's the threshold for that? Four teams have to take a bye and then you, I don't know. It's kind of frustrating to watch as a team, especially when your team is, appears to be doing all the right things and not getting any positive tests. Um, it's frustrating to see that, the Bills may have to may not play the Titans next week. And and John, you brought this up, you know, over before we even started talking on the podcast that if they push the Bills game to like the, the Bills Titans game to like a Monday or Tuesday, well then the Bills play the Chiefs on a Thursday night game. <laughs> like how is that gonna affect that game? Like that's not fair that the Bills have to play with two days rest if that even happens. Um it's just frustrating to hear. I, I know that, you know, like I said, like you mentioned, Mike, it's just I have sympathy for people that that uh, that get it. I wouldn't try to make light of it. I'm trying to kind of look at it from a nuanced perspective of just as a sportsmanship and and you know the balance of competition within the sport. And it's frustrating to see the Titans really being the only team at this point right now with an outbreak. And um, to me, if it was if it were up to me, I would just have them play whatever players are negative. Like you know, it, it sucks. But that's why you have an expanded practice squad. That's why, you know, you, you have to be ready for this. They were Big Ben was saying this. He was talking to reporters. He was saying this is annoying because um, we were told back in the summer that this could happen and be prepared for it. And to treat your life such that your team doesn't isn't, you know, isn't in a situation where, you know, you might lose a game or might be down players. And, you know, he's being punished essentially for something that the team that they're playing against did wrong. So do you guys see it on that level? Am I going way off, or what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree to an extent. I think the one of the problems is the whole incubation period thing of the virus. So, like, you might not test positive right away, but, 
in, you know, X number of days later, you might. That is a tough because we we were still getting positive tests as of, or positive cases as of today. So, really, you might. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's tough because at this point, there's say seven and a half million Americans that have had Corona or have it, and certainly we don't want to victim blame, right? Like through no control of your own, you can get sick, right? But you hate to see um, players that flaunt the rules, I guess, and have that impact other people. So it's a fine line, I think, very nuanced. Yeah, I thought like in the beginning of the season, okay, we got through the beginning of the season, no no major positive tests recently and i'm like okay we're good like this this will be at the end and then i listened to Takeo spikes and on his podcast saying like he was talking with tutan reyes another former player and they were just like yeah there's no way this is gonna last like the way the guys he's like we know how guys are they can't handle not being out being young and rich and not and i'm just like ah that that made me a little bit more pessimistic and i was thinking well maybe week 10 or week 11 we'll start to see it where are you seeing it in week four so, um, but the NFL is being like, they haven't to your point really outlined the steps or at what levels things will change. They seem very reactionary and not at all proactive for as big. That's always my argument with the NFL for as big as they are, as much money as they make, they're not as organized as you might think when it comes to these, these sorts of issues. So I bet you they have a lot of contingencies in their back pockets for things, even if it's like adding weeks at the end of the season and all this other stuff. I think they just really don't want to change anything. But if they have to, I think they already they, they must already have um, those plans in place. Yeah. Yeah. So if the Bills are six and a half point favorites going into Tennessee with what you know now, John, would you make that bet? Or would you bet the under? Yeah, put it all on Buffalo, man. Of course, of course. Mike, what would you? Would you take that bet? Six and a half? It's a little It's a little high for me. I was hoping for three and a half, so I might bet the under. I might think it would be a little bit closer, but the Titans have been playing teams close. They can score points. If it's eight, if it's eight points, I think I'd take the under with a touchdown being in between. Yeah, I mean, that's the magic line too, all right? Seven for me, seven points. Anything under that, I'm going Bills for sure. Absolutely. Okay, let's do our weekly podcast giveaway. We have a Harrison Phillips signed mini helmet we're going to give away. If you're wondering how to win one of our weekly podcast giveaways, just go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, mention CTW or CTW Pod or Circling the Wagon somewhere in the description, and you are in every week. You have to listen every week because I'm not going to contact you when you win. Um, just shoot us an email, ctwpod at gmail.com. Message us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you do, and uh, let me know, and I'll send that off to you. And the winner this week is Moho River Fish, Mojo River Fish, Mojo River Fish. You have won a signed Harrison Phillips mini Bills helmet. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. With you know, uh, if you if we missed anything or if you want to be ready for next week's game, please check out the rest of the the amazing lineup on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel. Hit that subscribe button. They will bring you through all of the interesting Bills narratives that follow today's game, and um, they'll get you ready for next week's game, which we're hoping we're going to talk. Man, you know, I started to talk. I don't want to victim blame either, of course, but man. If the Bills don't play next week and we're here talking about how the Bills have to take a bye week in week five, I might uh, I might be a, a little bit more angry than uh, than I was tonight. I just 
It's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's frustrating because 31 other teams found a way to do it, you know, to not have an outbreak. But uh, but anyway, so <laughs> signing off on that note, the Bills are 4-0. Signing off for John. Hey, how about that? The 4-0 Buffalo Bills. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? For Mike? Quarter of the way through the season, I got to give him an A+. 4-0. Outstanding. Go Bills. For me, Nate, based on uh, John's stats earlier, we can pretty much expect to be in the Super Bowl. So go Bills. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>